Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. I'm here with Louis C.K., Man, I was shocked and delighted to see you at the Blood of the Youth Drinkers Club. You know, there's more energy and focus on younger people. They're delicious. It's an interesting thing to confront people who are younger than you who aren't children. Absolutely. They taste great. Younger adults. Yeah, not too young, but just old enough. Their blood is so good. They have so much pure... nice sugary smart blood in their veins so good i've been doing it for a while and it used to be really messy like i wouldn't know what to do with the remains the body all dried up from no blood left i don't know what it means but uh it's much cleaner now it means that we're all developing and it's part of your responsibility as a human i think yeah to put the bodies back there's no other way to do it I'm on board with that. You know, with experience, you start to realize that they really enjoy it. They like it. They really want it so badly. So It's badly. Um, a very deep desire. Very deep. I mean, my stomach, I'm getting fat from too much blood. Kill the vampire. G, 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 take me away. Welcome to the first episode. Yes, this was a good one because we talked to psychologist Warren Schwartz. This was a therapy session for everybody involved, and hopefully it is for you too. We, we did some role play. We talked about how honest should you be with your friends. Uh, if your friend is going to marry someone that you think is incompatible and bad for them, would you tell them? Well, I did. I told Matt. I said, I don't think you should marry that girl. Was I a good friend or was I just a jerk? Or is it all about intentions? Let's see what the psychologist had to say about it. Thanks for listening and thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Uh, That's for you, Warren. That's your headphones. Let me know if you need any... uh Volume adjustments, okay. whatsoever. What are, what are we doing? Uh, I'm just going to have a conversation. Talk? Yeah, maybe get some free therapy for Matt. He really needs it. Right, I'll take it. <laughs> he, needs, he needs a whole team. 
He needs a team of therapists. Yeah. Warren, what's your last name? Schwartz. Schwartz? Ah. A Muslim, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to get that out of your way, Matt. All right. So, Warren. Schwartz. Hey. You're a psychologist or psychiatrist? I'm a psychologist. Psychologist. That's so you right. don't have a medical degree. Correct. Um, do you have a specialty? Um, I like to work with people who have trauma histories. Oh, that's why you're here hanging out with Matt? Exactly. I keep telling him he has a trauma history, but he doesn't want to face it. I don't think I have a trauma history. He has a See? history of trauma. He has a history of traumatizing others. This is true. That's why I stick around because I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, a masochist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were actually earlier while we were having some breakfast, we were talking about serial killers. Because uh, you were eating cereal, that kind of thing? Exactly. We, you were we had, cereal killers? I noticed two news stories today, and I'll try to make them brief. One, uh, a woman was being attacked. She was a, an escort, a sex worker. Uh-huh. And she wound up wrestling the gun away from the guy and shooting him. Wow. And then the cops found his car was loaded with, like, uh, weapons and, and, and uh, things to gag and, and, and tie and, and, and get rid of bodies. And they think this is a guy who's been doing it in, in West Virginia. And, and responsible for like five or six other deaths. Wow, I didn't even hear about this guy. Yeah. So he's responsible for five or six other deaths in Possibly, West Virginia? Possibly, yeah. That's West Virginia. I'd say let him, let him do his thing. <laughs> let, let him wipe them all out? <laughs> yeah. I've been there. That's the only place where I was uh, not allowed a hotel room because I was Jewish. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Let, let them all die. Okay. Really? Did that really happen? That, yeah, that really happened. Dominic Spinelli, he works at the... Well, he did work at the... Uh, Wow, what's the name of the hotel? But uh, in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Actually, it's Martinsburg, West Virginia, which is right outside of Shepherdstown. Yeah, we were, uh, I'll tell the story quickly. We are on tour, and um, the promoter of the show bought us this hotel room. So it was already paid for. And then when I went to check in, I signed it, Gary Levitt. He goes, Levitt, isn't that a Jewish name? Oh, yeah, I guess my family's Jewish, but, you know, I'm not a religious guy. And then he just, like, snagged the key out of my hand, and we're literally wrestling the key in midair. And then uh, my bass player came in and was like, what the hell's going on? Uh, Explain the situation. And my bass player was like, well, let's call the police. Let's get the police here. They'll figure it out. And then uh, Dominic Spinelli gave us the hotel room, but the whole time he was just eyeballing us, like, real bad. Wow. So Spinelli was it Italian, so he yeah. was like distanced himself so much from the Jews. I guess, yeah. I don't know what his problem was, but uh, I'm glad I got his full name. And like the rest of the tour, which is like two and a half weeks after that, we just I got his home number, and we all made different characters, and we were just call him at home, and you know he's just like he's working the overnight shift at some hotel, you know. And I was like, Dominic, yeah, this is uh, this is Greg from. <laughs> Remember I stayed there with my lady with all the tattoos? I got this great business for you. And he was like really sold on. It's computer business. It's a computer business. You like? I think we're going to make a lot of money. And I just keep him on the phone for like 25 minutes just talking about this fucking computer business. So I yeah, killed some have, car time. You have to get someone like that back. You can't just let that go. Yeah, yeah. And I was testing the limits of his... Uh, of his racism you know i'd throw the n-word out and i'd throw like i even threw the i was like calling them wops you know (laughs) every racial slur there was i just throwing it out there but he never stopped me once with the racism so serial killer in virginia yes 
And also the other story I saw today that it was... Just one point about this serial killer. Yeah, yeah. She, she ended it all, this woman. If, 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 if yeah. If he was indeed a serial killer, this woman not only saved herself, but, you know... Why, she killed him? She shot him, yeah. She was able to wrestle a gun and shot the guy. She killed him dead. Killed him dead. Wow. Yeah. So she's kind of a hero. She's kind of a hero. She's yeah. an escort and a hero. Yep, you can be both. <laughs> well, escorts get a bad name in our society, which uh, I think prostitution should be legal. Of course. As and a psychologist, I would assume you would think so too, right? Who, who are we to uh, enforce uh, our code of values or force our code of values on someone else? Yeah. If, if there's no harm... Yeah, and, and, and in cases like that, I mean, prostitutes, sex workers are very often the victims of serial killers, violence. If it was legal, right, it'd be a lot easier to keep these women safe. Right, well, that's the big argument for yeah. the legalization of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's legal in Nevada. Seems to be fine. And what is the, the, the big argument against it is because it's wrong. It's a moral issue. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's just it's not wrong. a safety thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a moral thing. Yeah, it was like somehow it destroyed the fabric of society and families. I mean, if it if that's going to destroy your marriage, then you should probably have a look at your marriage. Mm. This right. Same argument against homosexuality. Right. Gay marriage. Yeah. Well, it's interesting with the gay marriage thing, because now it's like, well, polyamory, maybe three people can be married to each other is the next argument. And I'm like all for it. You know, if I think like I'm like a total social libertarian. I think that if three adults decide that they want to all be married, they should be allowed to do what they want to do. I mean, who are we to impose our moral values on them, as you say? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'd be interested to meet the three people that want to do that. I'd be interested to be one of the three to do yeah. that if there was two women. I would two love, wives? Oh, I'd love to have two wives, yeah. Yeah? I'd be so... Depends on the women, obviously, but... <laughs> you can you can still get away with that in Utah, right? Mm-mm. No? No, I mean, Mormonism, they, they do it, but it's it's very illegal in Utah. It's illegal. It's, I think it's a federal law, actually. Hmm. But yeah. what, what, what you're talking about is not just having two wives. The two wives would be married to each other as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Where in like, you know, uh, uh, like Mormons, the wives aren't married. It's just the guy has all the wives. Oh, interesting. I mean, they're, they're sister wives. Yeah. Right. I yeah. I just made quote signs. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, they don't get on with each other. They're there to serve the guy. Mm-hmm. That's you're, you're looking. You're looking for everybody getting along. Um, yeah, I mean, that does kind of get me hot. Two women <laughs> together. <laughs> As as it does with most men. Yeah. But then you would hope that they would get along. Right. And it would suck if they weren't getting along. It's just more men, it's more dynamics to deal with, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good luck, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'd never I'd have zero social life if that was the situation. I'm not getting you a larger wedding gift because there's a third person. You get the same standard two-person wedding gift. Yeah. How do you even shop for that? Yeah. And your, your honey-do <laughs> list would be twice as long. That that I would have to do? Yeah. Yeah. The chores would be. Or maybe they'd be less because, you know, there's just three people working on the same house. You know, how much can you possibly cook or... Yeah. Depending on how closely everyone sticks to their gender roles. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I want to talk about you because right. you're here visiting. Where do you, where are you visiting from? New Hampshire. Wow. So you practice psychology in New Hampshire? I do. They have crazy people there? Absolutely. Lots of them. So do you have a specialty with uh, psych- your practice? Not really. I'm more of a generalist. I work with adults only. Okay. Um, Any particular reason? Um, kids are very difficult to work with because they have parents. Oh, right. And uh, the almost the entirety of a child's problem relates to the parent's attachment to the child. So, so, you say, so it would be mostly the parent's fault? I, I wouldn't say fault. Right. Because a lot of what happens doesn't happen fully consciously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's much more complicated. So in order to work with a child, you have to work in my opinion, very close with the parents, too. Um, and if the parents are unwilling to look at themselves, as they often are, right? Um, the, the child just goes back into an environment that created the problem or f- fostered the fr- problem in the first place. So, you, when, so in dealing with children, you found that most of the time you'd be better served to just be dealing with the parents instead of the child? Um, or the family, the whole family, Right. The whole family at one time. Family therapy. Yeah. But I'm not, uh, that's not something I'm cut out for. Uh, it's, um, that seems a lot heavier. It's, it's heavy and it's very stimulating, and you're having to attend to the dynamics of three or four people all at the same time. Yeah. Have you always wanted to be a psychologist? Uh, no. Um, I started in experimental psychology, mm-hmm. social psychology, mm-hmm. and I thought that was the path for me. Uh, and then I found the clinical and the abnormal experiences more interesting. Okay. And called me. Yeah. Um, but the experimental social psychology was... Uh, was interesting and and fun too do you agree with this theory that most psychologists are attracted to psychology because they have mental illnesses of their own i think that they are people who are more willing um or able to reflect on their internal states Mm, right Uh, I, i would i would say that everyone suffers everyone uh it's just that some people pay attention to it more than others and attend to it more than others. And psychologists may be people who get into the field because they're very, uh, they're working, trying to work something out, mm-hmm. trying very hard to figure it out. Right. Have you ever given anybody a clean bill of health and be like, you are, you're healthy, you don't need to come back? Um, yes, yes. You have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what makes someone, what, what, what are they, when do you give that out? What deems that appropriate? Um, sometimes people come to me with a very specific problem, like, uh-huh. a, like a phobia, uh, a simple issue. And, and they're doing very well in all other areas of their lives. Um, their relationships are good. Their work is good. They have hobbies. Right. They're, they're doing fine. But there's this one issue of uh, fear of lightning or something. If they come to you with 
because that's their issue, do you feel like your only job is to deal with that one issue, even if you see other issues? Do you? It depends where the, what they want to do. Uh, I'll follow them. Okay. If if they want to look beyond that and continue uh, a process of self self exploration and growth, that's fine. If they don't want to, that's fine too. And what then if, we're done. Really, what if you sense they have a real block uh, about going down a certain road? I'll uh, challenge them compassionately. Uh-huh. I'll, uh huh. Challenge them compassionately. I'll, I'll nudge them to look at it. How do you do that? I'd like to learn that. I tend to push people a lot, but sometimes I push people uh, and it rubs them the wrong way. But you seem very kind to me. Mm. Thanks. I try to be, but uh, I also just like it's my natural tendency to push my friends to be better at whatever. I, I think with knowing Gary, it, it, it does come from a, a place of kindness and honesty and being real and connecting. But I think sometimes people just don't want to hear it. They don't want to be pushed. Yeah. And so it's not a matter of like their reactions may not be because Gary's doing something wrong, but just more of like, who are you to tell me this? Hmm. Does that sound... Yeah. What I, happened? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I guess I treat people kind of, whether it's conscious or not, how I want to be treated myself. Like, I want to be pushed. I want to, you know, never just rest on what, where I'm at. I just always want to be getting better at whatever it is I'm doing. But yeah, sometimes if I push people, they, uh, they don't react well. They might experience it as hurtful. Yeah, or they get defensive. And they'll argue, they'll argue with me about it, and then it wasn't really the point. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about technique here, how to confront someone without hurting them. Tactfully, right. Tactfully, and by helping them improve and do better. And the underlying assumption is that they want to. They want to do better. That's the underlying assumption, yes. Uh, and so as long as that is true, then it makes sense to proceed uh, somehow in helping them get better. Uh, what's the technique? How do you do that? It's hard with someone who's sensitive. People who, uh, who have tenu a tenuous sense of self-regard, people who uh, are kind of shaky, about how they feel about themselves, uh -huh. who already tend to be very self-critical. Right. It's very hard to deliver criticism. They become defensive. Since the issue, the difficulty delivering the feedback is the fragility of the self-esteem, you have to bolster the self-esteem right. before you give them the bad news. Right. I think also, you know, when people are getting criticism, it's the things that they agree with that upsets them the most. Mm. Like, you know, is that for, true? I think so. I mean, for example, you know, stuff, you know, Gary is the same way with anything I'm doing. He's very open and tells me things directly, whether I ask for it or not. Okay. And sometimes I disagree with what Gary says. But if I'm disagreeing, but I'm also upset about something, uh -huh. that means he's probably hitting on something. Mm. Would and you, he's, he's exposing something that maybe I'm not ready to admit or just feel like I don't know how to change it or do something about it. And those, those are the things. I mean, I, I'm aware of that, so I don't 
you know, get upset back. Um, but it's, yeah, if, if, if I feel like you're just wrong, let's say about something, yeah, I don't even mention it. Like, okay, whatever. But if, yeah, I might be, if you say something, uh, about something I'm doing and it's hurtful, then, then I, I know you're probably onto something. Then you look at that and yeah. be like, how, oh, why is that yeah. making me defensive? And it, it, it hurts at the time, but I'm like, that's, you know, to get real honest, uh, feedback, from the people who are closest to you that see you the most, there's nothing better than that. Cause that's so hard to get because most people will candy coat it or ignore it to a degree where it's not helpful at all. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's, if you can change your wordings, maybe that helps, but at what? the same time, I support you just being honest and direct because that's what's really going to help people. And that's yeah. being the best friend you can to be to others. Yeah. I mean, some people, like, I, I think I do it because I want it back. So is that true? Like, if people come really, become really defensive about something, that's probably, you're probably hitting on a truth? Yes. Interesting. Uh, when, when someone, not always, if, if we assumed that every time someone protested, represented their uh, latent agreement with us, then... That we're not being nice right uh, so but often it is the case and you can feel it you can feel it when someone's doing that what what do you think of that in in terms of relationships with people like i have this ongoing debate well like what are friends for um how honest should a friend be with another friend um for example when matt was engaged to mary who i who i knew very well from college and Matt and Mary came to visit me uh, when I was living upstate, and they stayed the weekend. And um, I didn't feel like Matt was very comfortable. Like, I, it wasn't a very good visit because she was bitchy, and, you know, Matt just wanted to hang out and have beers. And she was like, no, let's go to sleep. I'm going to sleep. And she's like, you know, it was like, it just, they didn't seem that great of a couple to me. Mm -hmm. And then when Matt called me and was like, oh, we're engaged, we're going to get married, I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I hope you're doing the right thing. It didn't seem like you two were that great of a couple, mm. but what do I know? You know, I said something like that. I can't mm -hmm. remember exactly. It's been oh, a bunch yeah. of years. But I, I kind of voiced my concern mm. about the situation, knowing Matt and knowing Mary separately and a little bit together, but not really. You knew Mary before? I knew Mary before, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she, when I knew her before, she was way more laid back and, and uh, joyful of a person. And when they visited neither of them were didn't seemed happy mm. and uh i just kind of voiced that to matt i was like oh all right you know i hope it works out but it didn't seem like you two were that great a couple so how did you experience that when gary said that to me yeah. i just beat the piss out of him um i don't remember my exact reaction but it definitely if i didn't want to hear it it didn't change how i felt about gary as a friend you didn't feel it, angry with gary I don't think so. And, and probably, you know, there might have been part of me that was aware of that and feeling that and maybe not allowing myself to be in touch with that. Um, so, you know, I probably accepted it for, for what it was and continued to process it. Did you protest? I'm sure I did. I think just naturally I, I, you would if, if you're engaged with someone, if someone's saying that's not good. I'm sure I protested it. Um, I definitely sensed anger in your voice. Like once I when said I was, that when I was talking to you, yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah. After I said that, you said, "Oh, well, okay." 
um, well, we're going to get married anyway. Like, I, I, for a moment, I regretted saying it. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, and that's, that's probably exactly what it was. I was probably, he was probably hitting on something that I was trying not to be aware of. Hmm. Um, but my, my question to you, Warren, is uh, was I, what, are the, what are the roles of friends? Like, to me, I would want a friend to say that to me. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps I could have said it differently or better, but... I mean, friendships, they don't come with a guidebook. You know, and most friends wouldn't say that. They wouldn't be like... They wouldn't voice any concern if you're doing anything wrong. Most friends just let people live and... We, uh, uh, go ahead, Warren. We have problems with the truth. The, mm-hmm. the, the truths that are uh, uncomfortable, the... Uh, the fact that you know we could die at any moment, um, that that we're not as uh, smart or uh, good-looking or uh, uh, healthy as we want to be or as we see ourselves. So yeah, it's uh, are you is is that, but is that being most fundamentally is that being respectful, just being truthful. You're doing it, and what's the intent behind it? It's out of kindness for you. It's out of love, and and that's how I felt it. Yeah, that's what makes it. That's what makes it okay. So, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, that would be a marker of health in a relationship, to be able to deliver and receive um, uh, information that that challenges one's sense of self or experience. I, I agree there, and, and I think, like, who you are as a person, that's rare. Most people are, are cowards and, and scared to be that honest. So, like, even if there's the chance you're going, you know, a tiny bit too far in that direction, you're making up for the most, most of the rest of the world that isn't. So keep doing what you're doing is my, well, my feeling. The thing is, I'm not sure if I would do it again because it could have gone the other way. It could have gone the way of... They got married. They were in a unhappy relationship. They never faced it. They're still married. They're just living their miserable lives. I'm not welcome in the house because Matt told Mary what I said. Mm. And some night, uh, lying in bed next to each other, and she's like, "Never have him come to this house again." Mm-hmm. You know. And then I'm out a friend. Mm-hmm. And then I would just be like, nah, "I should just shut up because they're going to get married anyway." Mm. But still, he's the one suffering. Matt is the one suffering in that scenario, and you you did your best to alleviate that suffering for him, and you could hope that he'll figure it out himself at that point, or say it again. I, I don't know. And I think this relates to a conversation we were having yesterday, Warren and I, about um, as we get older, we need more truth and honesty from our relationships. Right. friends, uh, significant other family members. And if you don't continue to grow and continue to get closer with these people, you grow further apart. See, this is, this is like an ongoing thing I have, an ongoing debate I have in, within myself because most people tell me to just shut up and let people make their own mistakes. I feel like most people just don't, aren't honest with anybody. They mm-hmm. don't voice, or at least they don't voice their feelings towards their friends and family. Mm-hmm. 
do you urge any of your patients to be more honest in their relationships? Yes. You do? Yes, that's uh, probably the most common problem that I see is people not being direct about how they feel with each other. It's what leads to affairs. It's what leads to people getting burnt out at work. Um, substance abuse is people being miserable and living in misery because they're afraid to confront the reality that their life isn't what they want it to be or what it could be. Right. And in terms of relationships, uh, not being direct with a partner about what that person needs from them. Um, a concern about that being hurtful or a lot of times burdensome. Or the blowback if the person reacts uh, defensive and argumentative. Yes, yes. So if, if, <clears throat> if I say to my wife, I need more love from you, that, that would feel absolutely terrible for her. Right. Because in her mind, she loves me with everything she has. So yes, it's, it's hard. Yeah, do you, I read a book that said like the way you should communicate with people is, the, is to voice it from the first person how you feel. So if you feel like your wife's not giving you enough love, you should say, I feel like I want more, I feel like I need more love from you, rather than you're not giving me enough love. Mm -hmm. It comes out of a position of need rather than criticism demand. or demand. Or criticism, right. Yeah. That's interesting. I guess in, when it comes to like personal relationships, maybe if I said to people, if I said to all my friends and family, like, hey, you know, I want you to be honest with me. If you, if you feel like, um, uh, if I seem really stressed out or if you feel like I'm making a bad decision, I have very tough skin. I would like you to just voice your feedback. I wonder if they would kind of like put the mirror up to themselves and think maybe I would give that to them too. Hmm. I think most people don't want that. Most people don't want that, exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. But I would also say most people are living in misery pretty much. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what keeps Warren in business. <laughs> we had all these healthy people running around, he'd be broke. And Suffering I is ubiquitous. You ever get some you ever get a patient where you feel like you sense that they've repressed something? Yes. Um there are people who um uh, present with uh, nightmares um or uh, very serious um trust problems uh-huh um and um f fear that's palpable um a, a lot of times uh, they they will have had a trauma history and and won't always remember it 
Yeah. Have you heard of the Vipassana meditation retreat? No. Okay, it's this meditation retreat. It happens all over the world. It's totally free, and it's 10 days of silent meditation. So you go, and they feed you, and they house you, and it's, you sit in 10 days. Like, you can't bring any books. You can't bring any music, no iPhones, like, no stimulation whatsoever. Mm. So I, I did it. It's, it's kind of a program that was created by this Indian guy, S.N. Goenka. And I did it for, like, so 10 days you sit in total silence. All you do is eat meditate and just walk around you don't even communicate non-verbally with people nothing mm. so the idea behind it and it really is like there's a science behind it because the only input you get is from the uh tapes from sn goenka at the end of the night meditation they roll out the vcr and the and the tv and they put on sn goenka and he's like oh the third day you're probably experiencing this oh the fifth day so then on the sixth day I had a childhood memory just pop up, like at the nightmare, just this childhood memory pop up. And I was like, oh, it was just as clear as it just happened yesterday. Mm. And I knew it was real and that my mind didn't make it up. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I repressed that. And like, I'm just, just tears are pouring down my eyes. Mm. And I look around at other people, and like a lot of people are just tearing. And it was like an extra emotional uh, meditation day. And then that was the sixth day, and then they rolled, they bang the gong, and we stop, and the TV rolls out, and then SN Goenka comes up, and he goes, Oh, the sixth day. Many of you probably had childhood memories come to the surface. And I was like, Oh, it was just amazing. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was just like, there's a science to it, and sure enough, yeah, ch bad childhood memory just popped right out. It was out. a bad childhood memory. Totally, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was such a bad childhood memory that, like, I couldn't, I could only tell my uh, my girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, can't. From, from what age were you? I was probably, like, I wasn't even that young. I was probably in, like, seventh grade. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. It's not. That's not young at all. It's not young at yeah, all, no. That's what, 13 years old, something like that, 12? Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why I remembered it so, like, yeah. that I knew it was so real. Do you, Warren, why do you think, like, six days of, of, of not having other thoughts or stimulation, you think, does that make sense? I, I don't know if it, uh, about the, the six days, the actual length of time, but when, when we remove everyday distractions that dissociate us from internal states uh, and dissociate us from our history and who we really are, um, you, you can't connect with it. Mm -hmm. But when you remove all of those distractions and are forced to contend with what's inside of you, it'll come out. And, and oftentimes the um, the, the interpersonal relationship can be helpful. And I, I don't know about in this situation where there was not a lot of contact with other people, but in terms of therapy, uh, you have someone who is uh, encouraging and kind and warm and provides a safe enough place for the, the memories to come up. And the therapist isn't talking the whole time, and, uh, but allowing the patient to sit in quiet and be anxious mm -hmm. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, that really speaks to why meditation and sitting with ourselves is probably the hardest thing to do in the world. To just sit and do nothing without any stimulation is the hardest thing. It's one of the hardest human experiences. Yeah, we just spend a lot of time trying to get away from ourselves, connecting to ourselves. Yeah, it's a way we, uh, it's a way we survive. It's a survival mechanism, really. You know, to block out childhood traumas, any, any sort of issues, problems. You just throw more stuff on top. And that's how they describe it in Vipassana. is like you go through life and you get these wounds, and then we spend most of our time trying to scab over them, patch over them. Mm. And then the, the uh, Vipassana 10-day thing is the act of peeling off the scab and digging in the wound to find the actual cut. Mm-hmm. and then pull it out mm-hmm. and then supposedly it's more healthy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure it hurt it hurts to dig in that wound it, yeah it does but i found vipassana to be just very soothing i mean there was moments where after you get past the second or third day i was like i could stay here forever <laughs> really you didn't want to get the hell out of there no, I had moments where I was like, oh, I got to get out of here. But after you passed, most people, I mean, a lot of people left within the first two or three days. Mm. But after you make it past that third day, it gets, uh, at least for me, it got really easy. You know, and they have like 30 day, they have 60 day, they have 120 day programs where people just go and they just spend all this time in silence and mm. eating and walking around. It's uh, it's such a safe environment, so it's really easy to just be there. I mean, it's... How is it safe? It's safe because it's very pleasant, and you're cut off from the news. You know, there's, no, there's nothing new coming in. It's just meditation and uh, good food, hmm. and, and, and it's in nature. So it's a good... Um, it's a good holding environment. It's it's like when you're there, you're you're held, right? Held like a, like a like a child, emotionally held. Yeah, yeah, like like how a baby Protected. is held. Yeah. yeah, is that kind of how it? Feels? Yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, it's interesting that word. I would say yeah, you're held like a child would be held, but you're also held in a place of time, where it's like nothing new is happening. Mm. You can kind of just, I, I still, I, I regard it as the only real vacation I've ever taken. Mm. You know, it's the only time where I've vacated from my life. No new experiences came in except for the act of being there. But yeah. I didn't have any conversations with people. I didn't take in any new information about anything or anybody. Mm. It was just all reflection. And all it is is just a focus on the breath. That's mm. all, all I did was like spend time being like, oh, my mind drifted back to noticing that I'm breathing in through my nose and out through my mouth. Hmm. That's it. So different than even just sitting here right now. I'm aware of where my water bottle is and where my phone is and what my voice sounds like and if I'm going to say something strange. Absolutely. All of those things that are constantly whirring through our heads. Constantly. There's so much going through our heads all the time that are it's amazing because we don't even know that we're breathing and that our heart is beating. But yeah, mm. breath's coming in and breath's coming out and we don't feel it. And with the Vipassana, it's amazing because then as you start to 
get deeper into the meditation, you start to feel all the little tingling on your skin. And our skin and our body is constantly tingling, and you start to really get in touch with those sensations on your body. Mm. It's it's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's really, really neat. But, uh, yeah, definitely a great form of therapy, but uh, it's a different form of therapy. I mean, I've been to a bunch of therapy, been to a bunch of psychologists. It's hard to find a good psychologist. Mm-hmm. Really, really hard. I always tell people, like, because a lot of people have bad psychologists, and I'm always like, no, 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 just keep go to someone else mm-hmm. you know finding a good psychologist is like finding a lover it's hard you got to go through several to find the right one yeah i agree that's really tricky it's uh it's less about the person's uh theoretical orientation and more about what they can do for you as a person do you think do you think it has to do with like your level of compassion and skill or more to do with like the type of person that you are in relation to what patients work and what which ones don't I'm not sure I understand the question cuz like I've been th- I've been through several you know and it's like you know sometimes you have I'll have a patient I'll have a, a a psychologist where I'm like they're good they're listening but I don't relate to them at all like them and I don't wouldn't hang out at the same places I don't feel like they get me Hmm. and then like the most recent psychologist that I've went to she really worked I felt like she got me why did she work she worked because she hit on something that none of the others were able to she was like you have this recurring issue and she brought it up, and I was like, oh, yeah. But I also, like, challenged her to tell me more because she was like, a lot of psychologists, they just listen, and they say, yeah, and mm-hmm. they reword what you said mm-hmm. in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a, that's a, ta- a tactic. Uh, it's, an entry, it's an entry point. Uh, it's a, where you meet somebody. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of going. It's it's a way of telling them that they're being heard. Yeah, it's like a handshake. Right, right. But yeah, I would always like feel like, like I wanna I want a strength that's gonna like tell me, you know, no no no, you do this thing. Like I want to be called out on my shit, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And most of them won't. Most of them will mm-hmm. just be like, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's a very common problem amongst psychotherapists is that they're they're too worried about hurting people. They are in this because they're compassionate, mm-hmm. and and but the other side of that can be a, a reluctance to uh, allow people to feel uncomfortable or afraid. Right. Is 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 much of that because they don't want to lose the patient? Uh, that probably plays a big role in it. They just e- want to keep the keep the money coming in. E- economics. Yeah. Is, is a huge driver of a lot of what we all do um but uh it's more than that it's it's often what we talked about before uh in terms of how we give feedback to each other as friends uh it's uncomfortable yeah yeah i mean it how puts people in a painful state and we're supposed to make people feel better Right, but sometimes you got to make a person really feel bad to make them feel better. Sometimes the that 
pain needs to be experienced in order to move forward. Yeah. What would you say, like, have you had a, have you had a patient where you've decided to say something to them and you regretted it? Um, regret, um, like, I feel like, cause like I'm, as a recording engineer, I'm working with people that are like, you know, kind of doing, I'm, I'm like holding their baby. I'm helping birth their baby. So it's a very vulnerable place because they're recording their music. And I feel like I have to push them to get the best takes, but I also have to find their limits and let them be comfortable, but also not lazy. And I feel like uh, a lot of people say it's not just me. A lot of uh, recording engineers say that the job is like 85% psychology and 15% audio. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, have you had experiences where you've pushed people beyond their limits yeah. and then they felt disappointed in themselves or hurt somehow? Yeah, and it's hard to it's hard to gauge. I had one girl have a nervous breakdown because uh, I asked I was like pushing her to improvise. Mm. This mm. is like a classically trained trained cellist, mm. and the outro of the song was just C to F, C to F, back and forth, no chord changes, and I was like just improvise, just do whatever. And because she was classically trained and she could never improvise, she like started scraping the strings and just had a nervous breakdown and just tears started pouring out of her God. face. Mm. Yeah, and, and that was, you know, ultimately my fault because uh, classical players, when they're just taught to read, they're never taught to improvise, and there was, like, all this other stuff going on, but she just nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. You pushed her too hard. Pushed her too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that happens. I've experienced that, too. With patience? Yeah. You, you unintentionally hurt someone to a point where... Um, they they don't want to do the work anymore. They don't want to see you anymore, or they become angry with you. Right. And that's that's I think that's the hardest is when they become aggressive, uh, angry, hurtful. And as Matt said before, if they're if they're experience, if they're becoming aggressive, it's probably because you've tapped on something. Yes. Important. Often that's the case. Do you bring that to their attention? Not if their face is red and their veins are popping out of their head. <laughs> do you keep a gun under your desk? I don't. <laughs> or I do. <laughs> do you ever feel uh, violently threatened? Um, I have been kicked in the groin. Really? A patient kicked you? Yes. In the nuts? In the nuts. Right on target. Right on target. How, how were you standing up and how did that happen? I was I was working in the hospital, mental hospital. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this was years ago, and uh, someone, a, a patient, wasn't a staff member. Uh, that could have happened to. Um, didn't like me, and I said something that angered her, and she kicked me in the nuts. I feel like when guys get kicked in the nuts, it's mostly by women. Like a guy would, a guy knows how much that hurts. Yeah, right. <laughs> that ne- you never see a guy kick another guy in the nuts. It's true. You really never see that. Yeah, I think that it's off limits for one guy to hit another guy. It's, it's a cheap shot. It is. Or even a fist to the nuts. You yeah. never see that in a fight. <laughs> but that would be a great way to just 
to disable somebody. Absolutely. But but then also that if I'm if I'm kicking you in the nuts, I know you can kick me right back in the nuts. You're just kind of opening that door. You're disabled for like at least ten seconds if you get kicked in. The but nuts. it's it's in general now for the rest of our lives, you can kick me in the nuts. Uh, now that we've talked about it, the nuts are free game. <laughs> so what's like? What's the most recurring? Like for anyone listening to this, what's the most recurring theme that you get from your patients? Mm. I don't know. The most recurring theme. Or most recurring problem um, with such an easy fix. I think just very basically like people treating each other badly. Why do people treat each other badly? Because they treat themselves badly. Uh-huh. And I think also, and I'm sorry to jump in, because what we said, because people aren't able to be honest with each other vocally, verbally, then they just kind of treat them shitty because they've uh, just built up a dislike for them. Does that make sense? I, I also feel like the more unhappy a person is, the more likely they are to treat other people yeah, poorly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that, and especially if they deny their unhappiness, mm. um, you know, then they, they locate it in others and attack it. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you think that people, if, if there's something someone doesn't like about themselves, will they dislike that more in others? That's a good question. Yeah, that that's a, a common phenomenon. Especially um, with families, right? Like you often, like a, a son will hate something about their father because that's what they have themselves. Mm, mm. Yeah, yes. Uh, in, uh, in adolescence and trying to counter-identify from one's parents, separate. I am not that. Mm -hmm. Well, of course you are, Jimmy. You're just <laughs> like that. Um, uh, the 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 notion of the shadow, of um, despising qualities and traits in people that represent qualities and traits of your own um, is a common phenomenon. And we'll go so far as, as attacking um, what we see in others. What's one of the craziest things that you've had to deal with 
in a patient or craziest issue? Uh, getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> but was, that was a mental hospital. I mean, this person was just, it wasn't like you were tap, you were really getting in deep with them. They were just like a... Right. Um, I can't, can't, I can't speak in specifics. Right. Um, I, I can say that I've worked with people who have gone through absolutely awful experiences. Um, people who have witnessed murder. Uh-huh. Um, people who have been uh, involved in um, organized sexual abuse situations. Organized sexual abuse? Mm-hmm. Like, like trafficking? Sort of? Uh, sort of. More like yeah. a, a club sort of thing. Um, club sort of thing? A, a group of child molesters. Oh, who, wow. Uh, Just like pass, it, pass trade children around. Tr- children. Yeah. Wow. When that's when when someone comes to you with something like that, don't you have to turn them in? Uh not if it happened thirty years ago. Oh, okay. There's uh, a statute of limitations. Yeah, because the the law is designed to um to protect the child. So if you have knowledge of a child being abused right now, right? Then you're mandated to report it, right? But if the person telling you about the sexual abuse is an adult, then oh, that could happen to them. It happened to them, right? Right. Thirty years ago, then there's as far as the intent of the law goes, there's no reason for me to report that, right? Um, unless I know that he's still doing it to other kids. In which wow. case, I would need to report it. Right. Yeah. I mean, oof. I mean, something like that. You ever just feel like, wow, this is like a, a heavy burden for you to carry? Yes. Um, it's a. Uh, it can be vicariously traumatizing. Yeah. Mm, and uh, they should pay more. Yeah. It should be like a sliding scale based <laughs> on how messed up you are. <laughs> yes, or at least. Pay for my own treatment. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you might be losing money on that deal. <laughs> you got to go to another. Unfortunately, the people who are most severely affected with emotional issues are the people who are least likely able to afford it. Mm, right. And pay with Medicaid, and then get suboptimal services. Do you take Medicaid? No. No, how come? Because I can't afford it. Why? Because the government doesn't pay? The reimbursement rate is too low. Really? Like how often they pay, you mean? No, just the rate itself. The rate itself. So, so for example, if you charge, say, $100 an hour and it's through Medicaid, they'll pay how much? I don't know. Too low. Too low. Huh. And they also restrict the number of visits. So if I were to see someone in private practice who had Medicaid, um, I wouldn't be able to see them as long as they need to be seen, most wow. likely. Medicare, on the other hand, pays better 
and offers better benefits, and we're re-enrolling in Medicare. Okay, and Medicare is when you're 65 and up, right? Or disabled. Or disabled, right. So, I mean, this is, this is an issue with the government. This is a fuck up on the government's part, that yeah, they're, it's great they're providing uh, medical benefits for people who can't afford it, but not good enough to really give them options to good providers, yeah. which is a shame. Yeah, but that's, these are our values these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, this really taps into like a bigger issue of like meta, men, uh, mental health and all the gun violence and all that stuff, because mm-hmm. that's really like a lot of people need more mental care in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you think people should, I don't know if should is the right word, but w- would you recommend it that people see therapists throughout their life on a regular basis they, the same way they would to see a general practitioner or a dentist or anything like that. Just people should be going and checking in with I think therapists. I think they definitely should. You should get a dental cleaning and a mental cleaning. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I actually thought about opening a practice with a dentist a long time ago to call it mental dental. You That'd should. Be good. Yeah. <laughs> but, What's that? I can't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should do the dentist first and then come talk. <laughs> kind of sounds like a like a bad heavy metal album as well. <laughs> <laughs> metal for breakfast. But yeah, do I, I didn't mean to interrupt your answer, but I definitely agree. I agree should. too. You do? Yeah, yeah. If uh, Of course, if it's helpful, if you've found someone who helps you. Yeah. Um, though th- there are some times when seeing a therapist can just be uh, if 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 the therapist again is too kind and too concerned about not allowing for uncomfortable states mm-hmm. then then therapy can go on forever and nothing changes right because no defenses are challenged or analyzed and then it feels good because you have this nice person who listens to you once right. or more times a week, um, but uh, so in those situations, it's probably more harmful than good. You think it could be more harmful? Possibly, if your therapist is mirroring uh, your defenses, he might even be augmenting them. Right, but isn't it good just to just to talk about your problems out loud, just to voice them? I think so. Depends on how they're responded to, though. Ah, interesting. Because we learn, as people, to not voice it. Children voice everything. Everything they're unhappy with. They voice it, willingly. But we're, we're taught to shut up. Don't tell me you're unhappy. And then that just sets people on, on, a, on a path of not sharing things because it's associated with a negative response. Children should be seen, not heard. Right. So with, with all this education that you have about psychology, you ever meet people and you're like, oh, red flag, they're, they're a sociopath, or like, has it really helped you discern better friends? I think so. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think it's more maturity that's helped yeah. and experience. Like, you know, I'm at the point in my life if I see someone on the train doing something weird it's like i know what that guy's doing you know it's like i'm gonna stay away from that Uh uh-huh whereas 20 years ago i might have had no clue right but yeah i mean i think so it's probably more experience uh and probably happens with you guys too 
think it's more about that than anything else. Have you ever uh, been treating someone and you know that he or she is lying to you? It's clear that this person is just full of it and you call them out on it. Um, I always give people the benefit of the doubt, probably somewhat to my detriment, even if I think they're completely full of it. Um, but there have been times when uh, I was fairly certain that, that people were lying to me. And um, I'll confront them about that calmly and tactfully. Um, Can you give an example? Um, I want to learn how to do this tactful thing you speak of. So like I'm talking about something and then you know I'm lying. Well, get, let's do it. Role play. Okay. So come up with something. Uh, I, I, was, I was at uh, a barbecue and my wife said that uh, I was flirting with Mary. And Mary loves me. I mean, Mary's always making advances at me. But, uh, you know, I never flirt back. I let her know that I'm not interested. Are you sure that Mary is interested in you? Oh yeah, I mean she's all over me. It's it's obvious. She's all over you in what way? Oh, I mean it's just like, you know, you could just see it in her eyes and she touches me a lot. And and you weren't flirting with her. No, I'm I'm just like a straight above board husband. I never would do that. So sometimes when I when I sit with you, I f you, you you feel very and don't take this the wrong way, but you feel like a very a person who's very concerned about being liked. Uh, you seem like someone who's very preoccupied sometimes with being attended to. And look at how you dress. I mean, you look very nice, uh -huh. uh, but you're dressed to impress. And so I wonder, is it really true that you weren't flirting with her? That's good. Okay. I like that. Yeah, in, 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 in a similar way, do, do you think that sometimes people aren't honest because they want you to like them? They don't want to reveal something that, that might make you, as the therapist, think less of them. Yes, that happens all the time. All the time, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a common thing where the patient falls in love with the therapist. Mm-hmm. Has any patients fallen in love with you, Warren? I can't talk about specifics. But there was that one girl I was banging, I was like, <laughs> don't fall in love, baby. <laughs> 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 and I no longer accept your insurance. <laughs> Hit the road. <laughs> no, it it happens because there's such a there's such a degree of um, emotional contact in the session, and we're really taking care of people. We're holding them emotionally, um, and sometimes, especially for people who are very lonely and who don't have that in other relationships for whatever reason um 
have some ideas about how this could happen outside of the office. Has, have you been, have you ever had to deal with that head on? Um, I've had to confront people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where they've been, where they've like asked you to hang out outside of the, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either in a more romantic or or a, a friendship uh, sort of way. And you have to draw the line. I mean, you're not going to go see their show or, like, go do anything social with them. Depends on the meaning of it. But what if they just want to hang out as friends? Like, hey, you want to come over and play poker with my buddies? No, that's not okay. It's not okay, right? Mm-mm. What about, you know, I'm, I'm in a band. You want to come see my band? It, it would depend on what that would mean to you. Just, you know, I talk about my music all the time. I want you to come ha- see, see what I do. We don't even have to talk. What if I said no? All right. No, I'm, you're, you're, I'm, I'm asking you. Yeah, I'm saying all right. You know, you're lost. We're good. So that wouldn't, <laughs> so that wouldn't feel hurtful to you? Uh, I, want, I wouldn't have asked you if I didn't want you there. Okay. But, but you know, I understand if it's something you're uncomfortable with oh, or you have other plans going on, that's, that's fine. Oh, that you know? sucks because you don't want to hurt your patient's yeah. feelings, but you can't bill him for the hour you're going to see his band. Or can you? <laughs> um, I suppose I could. Um, I would, be... wouldn't, of course. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, there's... I would not rule out going to something like that. You wouldn't? Depending on what it meant. To the person, and if if the request was delivered from someone who was desperately insecure and needed my approval, right? Um, then I probably wouldn't go. Um, uh, if if there if the person was exceptionally dependent on me and felt like the only way they could perform was if I was there, oh, I God. wouldn't go. Right. If uh, it was some dude who was just like, "Hey man, check out my band. We're playing, you know, <laughs> you you want you you like you like this kind of music? Show up and whatever, man. You know that kind of thing. I might go to that. Real casual, like real whatever. casual. No investment either way is fine. Yeah. You ever have a patient like uh, who's maybe uh, an either a musician or some sort of artist give you their CD or give you a painting or like? Yes, that happens a lot. It does. Yeah. You have what? What? What happened? The musician gave you their their record. That's happened. And do you listen to it? I do. Do you I comment li- on it? I listen to everything uh, or or look at everything my clients give me. Um, does that factor into the, their therapy? Yes. It does? Yeah. The content of the music would factor into the therapy? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least potentially. Mm-hmm. That potential is there at every, mom- every moment. Right. And, and a, a gift of, of someone's expression of their soul is completely relevant. what we're doing so just on a bigger issue what do you think of um so like you know eminem right yes the rapper you know he talks about killing his wife and burying her and putting her in the trunk and then throwing her out in the sea if she did throw show up dead one day 
do you think because of his lyrics he should be a prime suspect is his art uh, usable in real life in the court of law so is is Eminem my therapy patient or are you speaking of well I, I, what, what I'm equating it to is like it's interesting that if someone gave you their art you would use it as part of their it's part of their therapy it's part of their real persona yeah but then this happens in cases where like people's li- especially with the rappers with their lyrics like I killed that dude blah 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 and then someone shows up dead and they're like look he raps about killing people mm-hmm. should it be included as evidence is that what you're asking? Not from a legal... Yeah, I guess, yeah, from a legal standpoint. I mean, it's just an interesting topic for me to think about. But yeah, do you think it should be included as a legal? Yeah, yes. Yeah, definitely. If if I was... Now, we're going like way out, out of psychology, but if... Uh, I mean, don't, don't you guys... I mean, if you were... If you were a, a prosecutor... Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want that included as evidence? I don't. I don't think that's fair. I disagree, and I think that's more um, uh, pointing the finger at, at rappers that these are inherently bad people. That if they're rapping about violence, they're violent people. Right. No one reads a Stephen King book and assumes that oh my God, what's going on in this guy's head? He's got to be. A, he's got to be a murderer. But let's say someone writes a song about wrapping a guitar string around someone's neck and then a week later they found they find his wife dead with a guitar string wrapped around her neck as a detective i would definitely question the suspect but that in that, in that case that could be someone who heard the song and was like all right that sounds like a great way to kill someone but his, his lyrics aren't admissible in the court of law is evidence I, 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 legally i don't know i don't personally i don't think it should be i think it's art i think once you start using art against people legally then you're 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 censoring people but everything is art but that's i think it is i think i i could be wrong but i think right now it is admissible as evidence my ex uh is a lawyer she's a public defender and i helped her with audio with this case because she was defending this guy who was a rapper and they were using his lyrics as admissible evidence Mm. and this is something that she's been arguing she's trying to get it out of evidence exactly uh-huh. yeah yeah i agree with her you do i don't know i'm on the fence i can't i haven't i don't i can't make up a, my mind about it if i was or, his lawyer if i was his defense attorney i would agree with her if i was the prosecutor i would not <laughs> i mean if it, if it let's say 1990 a man is shot in reno do you go after johnny cash absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I mean, like, where do you separate the art and the person? Obviously, Warren is getting uh, one of his patients' art, and he thinks, yeah, of course, the art is mm-hmm. part of the person. I think it's that, that those are two different things. How I think so? I think you made a leap. I think if you're creating art, yeah, it's it it's definitely telling to who the Warren, person is. Warren's saying it's admissible. It's that his art is admissible to his personal case that's part of who he is yes but legally is different Uh, i I think it definitely whatever art anyone creates it definitely shows who they are but i think correct me if i'm wrong warren is saying that helps him inform something about the patient right it doesn't make a declaration of who the person is based on a a specific fact from the art if someone brought you their cd and they were talking about murdering their mother I would definitely ask them about that. You would? Yes. 
but that doesn't mean they murdered their mother. It's a different to ask them about it and as their therapist to say, you know, what's going on here? How do you feel about your mom? And listening to the CD and calling the cops and saying this guy's going to kill his mother. Right. I mean, Eminem, I th I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, he talks about killing his mother. But with he just, hasn't. With just, that, <laughs> with just that piece of information alone, someone giving me a CD with a song on it about killing their mother, there, there's nothing for me to do with that mm -hmm. in terms of presenting it to the police. Right. But you, you would, you, it would cause alarm and you would ask it them would about it. It would definitely cause alarm and there would be a risk assessment done. What if it was like a really somber folk song with like finger picking guitar and it's like that's even worse. <laughs> what what if it was your mom gave you a CD and it was all songs about killing her son? Wow. <laughs> that's with a hammer dulcimer. <laughs> wow. Is there a certain genre that makes it more alarming than another? The, the hippie folksy stuff definitely there's a, that dissociative element that right is that true though like hippie pe hippie folksy people are more angry than metalheads mm. they they have a lot more anger than uh like every metalhead friend i've had they're just like pretty peaceful but a lot of these hippies are very passive aggressive mm. undealt with anger yeah I don't know. Um, passive aggressive, or the anger is is channeled through their um, liberal political philosophy. I mean, sometimes do you think do you think sometimes people with very extreme liberal views are trying to work out something from their past, like? Are they? Who is the man that they're fighting? Oh, when they say the man, yeah, uh huh. Their dad, you mean? I, I don't know. Is that? What? Yeah, I, I sometimes, think, right? I, I do think often that they are trying to prove something or say say something. I think in a similar what we were talking about with people on Facebook, liberal people on Facebook. Yeah, that. Uh, make it seem as though they have ownership of this issue right where they have real no real connection to it well i find that in general people no matter what happens robin williams died everyone's like oh that time i met robin williams like everyone has to connect themselves to any issue put themselves in the story right, right. Hmm. Um, but what's wrong with that it's just keep your mouth shut <laughs> you know who's <laughs> robin in the case of robin williams like how if Robin Williams commits suicide today, and you, Gary, post something about like, oh, you know, I, I was I, I did background work on on Miss Doubtfire, right. and he seemed like a nice guy. He was really sweet. Right. Like, does that how does what does that do for anyone? It's the it it's not just what right. it, what does it do for you, but you find it objectionable. And, it, and, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. If. If it seems pure of like this was a wonderful person, but all too often it seems like the post becomes about the poster. Narcissistic. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know and that. That's oh, what's here's my opportunity to tell people that I met Robin Williams. The narcissism. Yeah. And why is narcissism so objectionable? Why did why do we hate it? I don't hate it so much. You don't. It doesn't no. bother you when you see someone showing off. 
when it's too much, I'm like, eh, it just, I, I, you know, I just scroll past real fast. But it doesn't like upset me the way it upsets Matt, for example. Matt's very anti-narcissism. Uh, yeah, I think he has a flag. <laughs> well, like for Does example, wave? Yeah. Yeah. for for example, in a way that like if I have a show, I'll say, "Hey, I'm doing this show." Blah blah blah. Here's the link. Or Matt will just post the link with no words or anything because he really is like so concerned about coming up as narcissistic. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely careful when I post things about myself. Exactly. And and we've we've had this conversation, and Gary pushes me. He's like, "No, let people know what you're doing." Mm. But yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely yeah. careful with, with things like that. Mm. So what is it about narcissism, and and? You're not alone in mm-hmm. this feeling. I mean, it, 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 there's something about it that feels really bad. It makes us angry. I, I guess, you know what it is? For, for me, I feel like it's coming from a place often, and I don't think anything, Gary, that you're doing qualifies for that, but for, for a lot of people, it comes from a place of that they're insecure with themselves, and so they're just trying to make themselves look better than others mm. to feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I and, and, and by extension, it makes you feel worse about yourself. I mean, if, if you're, yeah, yes, you might be hitting on something as far as that, and it brings up my own insecurities about that. In, in certain cases, yes. But it doesn't have to be about an accomplishment, you know, necessarily. That, you know, can be like even just if, when people post a lot about someone that they lost attention whores yeah like i don't think to me when you lose someone that's so personal to post it on facebook oh that's not really an attention whore but that i think so like why else are you you know an attention whore would be someone who would be posting constant pictures of her cleavage yeah but isn't isn't it just selfies isn't it just another way like I want people to know that I lost this person. I want your attention. I want you to, to, to let me know that your prayers and thoughts are with me and, and like my post about it. Uh, that's narcissistic? I think so. I mean, what, what, anyone that you're really close with in your personal life, you don't need to tell them through Facebook that, this, that you lost this person. Is it a cry for attention? I think so. So there's an insecurity there? provokes the discomfort yeah maybe I, I guess for me when I see that I feel like why did I need this information from you I'm not close with you I haven't seen you personally in three years I hardly know you we're Facebook friends so that request for intimacy seems inappropriate yeah it's like someone wanting you to give them a hug that you don't know that well and, and right. she's crying and upset yeah mm-hmm and you it, just want to spit right in their face. Not exactly. I, I just I just think it's it's you've put this on me. Now I have to feel bad about something. Where it's like I have enough to feel bad about from people that I care about and I'm close with. Don't force intimacy on me. I guess so, yeah. Um I don't want to hug right now. I don't want to hug you. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of hear what you're saying. It just happened before you guys got here. I was going through Facebook and, like, preparing for you guys. And uh, this... This girl posted, second car accident this week, being rushed to the hospital right now. Pray for me. 
I'm like, mm. you just got hit by a car and you're in an ambulance typing us Facebook status wow. update. That's insane. I think that's insane. Yeah. 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 You should be on the phone with like the people that are actually like close to you. You know, but your family members. At first I was like, you know, I had an adverse reaction. Then I was like, oh, she wants people to pray for her. You know, maybe she thinks if everyone's sending her positive energy, it'll help her. There's something about these people too where they these are the kinds of people and I'm totally generalizing I have no idea who this person is or what her meaning is but they they're not likely to be people who give back really right, right? I mean would uh, this person lend an ear to you if you were upset do you know this person her I don't know well enough to say yeah but yeah most of the time oh it's like what you're getting at is like someone that's like so like kind of demanding or self-absorbed mm. they're probably not the most empathetic listeners mm. yeah yeah i wish i wish i knew her better i don't know her uh, well enough at all we should we should go outside and fake an accident and post it on facebook and you could post it onto her page and see if she responds <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is a weird. Uh, Facebook is weird. I I just I enjoy the study of it all. Like just like I feel like I can watch people from a safe, objective place, of at home behind the screen and watch the craziness. Mm. I'm uncomfortable with it. I participate in it because I feel I have to to some degree, but it, the whole process makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I find it interesting. Like Matt's a very late adopter of Facebook, but I told him like opportunities come from being from networking mm -hmm. and Facebook is a social network mm -hmm. and he's on it and I think it's smart but yeah I, it rubs rubs Matt the wrong way sometimes <laughs> yeah that's very apparent <laughs> <laughs> fuck you both <laughs> I think we need to start poking Matt <laughs> constantly invite him to play Candy Crush yeah. so you're being paid to help people Yes. Right. So when you're on the clock, that's your job is to help them. But that's such a great skill to have. Like, so when you're out with friends or something and you see uh, you see these kind of same problems happening with a friend, obviously you seem like you're a good person. You probably can give them psychotherapy in a very casual, buddy way. Yeah. I mean, I think we're we're doing... We're all doing that all the time anyway. Yeah. Um, I just have a little more training. Yeah. But we're all doing that all the time. Do you, ever you, just... you, you definitely are. I mean, both of you. I mean, the, the way that you speak, I, I, I don't know you very well. I mean, I just met you once, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, you're a psychotherapist. You think I could be a psychotherapist? I think you are one. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just doing it for free, like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, put a sign on your door. Start charging. <laughs> you got to get your license first before you do that. But I, you know, I wanted to be a psychologist. That was my original thing. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the thing that I think would be really hard is to. Like do you, at the end of the day, after dealing with all these people' problem, all these people's problems, don't you just want to be like, shut the hell up? Your life's not that bad. 
Or like, don't you just run dry of compassion? Compassion fatigue? Yeah. Mm. Um, that is something that I am aware of and I come up against. And I have to deal with that when it happens. Uh, I would feel like it's natural, not that it's anything to blame yourself for, but it's just... Did you, did you sense that I was feeling critical about that? Self-critical? No, not necessarily that you were, but I would. Mm. You know, I would feel like, ugh, I'm such a jerk, you know. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a good feeling to have when, when it comes up. Yeah, uh, I would imagine, because you're a monster then. <laughs> yeah, or or at least uh, not not nice or not ethical, but I I don't let myself go there. I don't um, I I don't let that take over. Because um, if it if it did, then I would be useless. So there there yeah. are ways that I've developed of taking care of myself that allow me to continue without getting burnt out. So you have certain practices that you do to fill up your compassion? Yes. What, what do you do? Uh, music is important. Listening to music, playing music. Yeah. Uh, I like to metal detect. Uh, I like with, to the, with the thing on the beach? Uh, the... I actually like to go into the fields and into the woods and find old coins and relics and things like that from the 1700s. Interesting. And you find that therapeutic? I find that very therapeutic. Just checking out, being by myself uh, and or with a friend um, and not, not having any uh, stimulation other than what's right in front of me at that moment. So things like that. Um, you know, it's a very common phenomenon in our field to develop this compassion fatigue, and people do get burnt out. Yeah. And and that's not good for anyone. What you do to, you know, get your compassion back sounds like what anyone does with their job to just, like, you know, kind of... Uh, everyone needs therapy, you know, and that's your therapy is to just uh, do whatever you need to do to... To be a good person again and do your job well again, and I, but I think that's the thing that most people have a hard time finding. You know, most people can't get find whatever it is they need to become a better, healthier person again. Mm. That's why they go to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So, like, you ever recommend to people a hobby or finding a way to find some solace? I'll, I'll explore that with people quite frequently. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, especially if, if their life is unbalanced. Sometimes I, I think of the as, as a triangle, work, love, and play. Uh -huh. and, and the triangle, the triangle could be equilateral or it could be unbalanced. Um, and uh, if it's unbalanced, that that's problematic. So yeah, hobbies. Uh, hobbies are important. Yeah, it's interesting. When we were role playing before, you said something to me that this this girl I met, who's probably like twenty one, twenty two, who is studying to be a, a 
psychotherapist, I think. Mm. Like we met and we were just hanging out for like maybe 10 minutes. And I go, oh, you, 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 I said to her, you seem like you'd be a really good psychotherapist. You seem very introspective and observant. She goes, yeah, I could tell that you are someone that really is concerned about how people perceive you. Hmm. She said that to me. Hmm. And I guess maybe you could say that about anybody. But you said that to me in the role play. And when you said yeah. that to me in the role play, I was like, I don't know, is this part of the role play or is it like... <laughs> <laughs> it was part of the role play. It was? I saw you with uh, uh, a nice suit okay, with a conventional haircut and a gold chain. Oh, okay. Which is not what you look like at all. No, but when, when that girl said that to me, I was like, oh, she's right. I'm very concerned about how people, what people think about me. Do you agree with her? I totally agree with her, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I mean, it's not the best quality you should be, but it's, I don't know. Everyone wants to be liked. That's yeah. not unusual. Even someone, a loudmouth like Donald Trump, who comes off like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. He wants to be loved more than anyone. Yeah, he's, you know? he's incredibly insecure. Yeah, I think anyone right. that goes out of their way to say that they, they don't care what people think, care more than anyone else. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my rational mind is like, well, anyone that is so content and secure with who they are, they're not even in the public eye. They're just hanging mm-hmm. out in the woods by themselves mm-hmm. or with mm-hmm. one other person or something. Yes, yes, that's a good point. Um, and you ever think about artists and their motivations? I mean, all the time. I mean, do you, have you ever thought of like, is a is a there's a type of artist who has never shared his work and will never do that because there's no there's no intent on doing that there's yeah. no reason to yeah absolutely i know uh a, I, a great friend of mine is like that is that right yeah he uh just, i i'm me and maybe one other person are the only people that probably have a copy of his recordings hmm. and why doesn't he share them why would he say or what do i think both he would say he just has no need for it. He's content with where he is in life. Do you think he's being honest? Absolutely not. I think he's full of it. <laughs> I think he's so deluded and dishonest with himself. So what's the real reason? I think it's just so deep. Uh, I think the real reason is that he's afraid of failure. He's afraid of, he's afraid of failure, and he doesn't want to try. Insecurity. Insecure, and he's lazy. But he really does come across as one of the most balanced, centered, uh, comfortable in his skin people you'll ever meet. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Do I know this person? I don't, maybe you met not, him once years well. ago, but yeah, it, it's not someone you, you would know. Yeah. Um, is the music good? It's good. It's lazy. I mean, there's a lot of uh, repeated verses, a lot of repeated lyrics. A lot of repeated chords, you know. Does he have talent? Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's much as anyone I personally know, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, very talented. So that that is a different type of person than the artist who is fully secure with his work, who actually loves what he does, who um, may even sit in front of his painting and and admire the beauty of it um 
but have no interest in sharing it with anyone. Right, but then you got to question that motivation. Why the no interest in sharing it? What what's what's the usually the intent of showing one's art to another person? I think it's natural. I think it's nature. I think uh, as humans we're social beings. I think it's totally natural and innate that we want to socialize with other people and connect. And it, I think if you're doing any sort of creation, any sort of art, it's natural to me that you'd want to share it. It's a a gift from one person to another it's a gift of soul from one this is the inside of me that i am giving to you yeah. that i am showing you yeah it can be that way but it's not always of course um uh, often it's about something else right or too often yeah i, I mean i think a lot of times it is about the ego Wanting people to think you're you're great. Um, I think each each case is probably a little different. Securing love. Yeah. And sometimes it's just to get feedback. You know, is this good? Is this recording? Is this painting? Is this poem any good? I oh. I trust you as a friend, a family member. You know, tell me. Mm. It also could just be survival mechanism. I mean, it's like we all we're all artists here. We know like. When, you're, when the process of doing it is so fulfilling and you've been like, oh, that was very gratifying. I did this thing, I created this thing, and I feel so fulfilled by just the act of doing it. Then if you show it to someone, you don't want that tarnished. You don't want the person to say, eh, it's not that good. Because then, you know, so there's that just protecting it. Maybe you don't want to show it to someone in case they're going to say it's not that good. Mm -hmm. Which I think is the story in that, in my friend's case. I think that uh, part of him, he's very lazy. He doesn't push himself at all. You know, there's no reason to be repeating lyrics like he does. He just doesn't push himself to write another, a second and third verse. So he'll just repeat the same lyrics. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's his cross to bear. But, um, yeah, I think it's... I understand, like, the best art is made, like, with that gratification when it's hap when it's happening mm. when you just feel good that it happened in the moment in the moment so then it's like yeah why share it mm-hmm yeah if it is art for art's sake mm -hmm. no need to share it but then why keep it why not just destroy it uh, laziness <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I mean that's don't want the trash man to see it yeah <laughs> That's an interesting, that's a whole other interesting conversation, I think, is yeah. like, why do, that's the whole Burning Man, that's the whole concept behind Burning Man. It's like the whole Burning Man festival is to make, they make all this art, and then they just burn it at the end of the week. Hmm. Just art for art's sake. Of course, everybody videotapes it and puts it on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. That's the uh, and I think paradox. The, the opposite of that, of wanting to get it out there, another reason is to, for, to be immortal that your art lives past you. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a Shakespeare sonnet about that as well, which I can't recite at all, but yeah. creating art to, that will live beyond yourself. It's like having children. Yeah. Right, yeah. A thing that I run into as a recording engineer a lot is with, uh, it happens with first-time artists a lot, about 80% of them, when they are about to finish, they 
freak out and they want to like redo all their vocals mm. they don't want to finish it they're f the fear of finishing it fear of putting it out there and most of them like they redo all their vocals they redo this they redo that just mm. to make the same thing again like it's not any better it's not any worse it's just a little different mm. and what i tell people is like just relax we're making a record it's just a record of time you know work on your next record this one's done this represents where you are at this time and space and place go to another record make your next record and mm -hmm. that's only going to represent that time and place mm -hmm. but uh, what, what do you think it is that leads them to become so anxious right at the end it's ego ego total ego yeah it's just the ego of like this needs to be just right it needs to be perfect and i'm like hey it's not going to be better than the beatles you know you're not going to create anything that's better than already out there so just get used to that mm, mm. but yeah i mean you would know better as a as a psychologist why people or either egos are so hung up on it being so great that they can't finish it mm. and put it out there the the narcissism gets in the way the self-esteem fragility yeah mm. and i think with you know the internet and social media we all know that everything we create if we put it out there is out there for the masses and forever mm -hmm. years ago you made a recording you had it on your tape 20 per people heard it yeah and mm -hmm. forgot about it yeah you know and, and and that was it so it's it's more maybe the stakes are higher now and people are tougher on themselves and compare themselves more to others yeah it's interesting it's like i i hosted an open mic for a little while and i learned a lot hosting that open mic i learned like people would get up there that were totally free just can perform totally free they had no egos i mean they might be kind of goofy and silly or stupid mm. but i was like that's inspiring they they're just free and a lot of times they weren't that good but they had a freedom to their performance that people that were good didn't have wow so they're not um they, they're not trying to to present themselves in a certain way they're just they're right there in that moment yeah they're just being who they are totally present in the moment totally no fear of how they're perceived connected and people that are connected are better performers yeah they're, yeah they're loose they're just there they're not in their own heads Mm. worrying yeah. about stuff yeah. yeah any kind of performance relaxed yeah yeah i mean if you can combine that with like actual skill and talent yeah it'd be like pretty great mm. <laughs> well those are those are who are the people that are the best yeah, yeah. the ones that do it well yeah i'm trying to think i mean it's hard to picture uh a performer up there where you feel like oh they don't they're like totally free does anyone have an example of someone hendrix hendrix yeah definitely totally free but that just might be him being on acid you know like not connected with anything but I mean, or I, connected I, connected with everything haha <laughs> right and I, yeah. I think it's a maybe a little bit easier with certain forms of art and certain forms of music mm -hmm. like i think singing yeah. Is, is definitely can put you in your head a little more. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, even though Hendrix was singing and seemed pretty much free while singing too. He did. But uh, w- to answer that question, I can think of like a lot of like, you know, instrumentalists that seem free, lots of jazz musicians, you know, right. lead guitar players, drummers, you know, things like that where yeah. there's less to worry about of how you're coming off and you're just kind of, it's flowing through you. It's true, yeah. Singing is definitely more vulnerable than... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I learned that from busking. Like, you ever busk in What's public? That? Busking that sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> busking is performing on the street for money. Oh, okay. You know, so street performers, it's called busking. All right, so you put your guitar on, you open your case, and people put coins in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here in the U.S., it's, like, equated to beggars. Hmm. But in other parts of the country and Europe and stuff, like, some of the best musicians are buskers. You're offering something. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I feel mixed about it. Like, if you're on the train station platform, then I think it's fine. When you're like going into the subway car, it's you're forcing it on people. Yeah, yeah. It's just time and place. But um, yeah, with busking, like if I'm just playing the guitar, I'm totally fine. But when I start to sing, it's like, ugh, I can't do it. Like a background music, I'm not getting enough attention. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It's your it's your voice. It's the inside of you coming out. It's it is absolutely exposing. It's much more exposing and much more vulnerable than just playing an instrument. For some reason, it's yeah. a it's a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, you, you often you'll see people or meet people that turns out they're they're a very gifted singer, but they never do. They might be a trained opera singer, mm-hmm. and I'll oh, just sing something. No, 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 no. I can't sing. It's very intimate. It is, but rationally, thinking about it rationally, it shouldn't be. Like, why should it be any different than just playing the keyboard? Because the voice is your breath. It's your inside. It's it's when you when you speak, when you whisper in someone's ear, or you speak with them, they hear you. They hear where you are. When you're playing an instrument, they don't. It's so much more removed. Yeah, I think it's 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 another window into your soul or how you're feeling. Yeah. When you're talking to someone, you'll be like, oh, you, you sound a little shaky or nervous. You know, you're you're exposing how you're feeling, and what's going on inside. Yeah. Well, that goes into that form of therapy where you're like listening for a tremor in a voice or a little twitch of the hand. Yes. Which, which brings me back to a question I was thinking of before. If there's a person that doesn't have any tells, physically, verbally, in their eyes, when they're anxious or lying or something like that. Psychopath. That's what I'm saying. Does that, <laughs> does that think that they're, there's something going on, that they're able to mask themselves so well? Are they, are they too good at hiding stuff? That, that could be um, a result of all sorts of different things. Um, uh, and there's no one meaning to ascribe to that, but that is certainly something to look into. Um, if if someone if someone's emotional experience is that blunted or uh, hidden or inaccessible, um, that that's often highly problematic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or they it, become a politician. It, yeah, it come it comes out in nasty ways like that sometimes. Well, thanks so much. I don't want to keep you here. I mean, I know you're visiting. 
thanks for having us. Yeah, did we, uh, is there anything else? Um, I feel, I like, I feel so. like it was therapeutic for me. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of things. Me too, it was therapeutic for me yeah. too. It was, yeah. huh? Yeah. Oh, that's good, yes. that makes me happy. Maybe you should consider uh, going to this format for your therapy sessions. Th that would be interesting. Yeah. I mm. do think there's something about the headphones and the mics yeah. that, that change I mean, that. What about, I, I'm, I'm sure there's there's all kind of things why you wouldn't be able to do it legally, but like record a therapy session and give the person the tape as they go out the door. Oh, they'd hate that. Who would hate that? The, the patient would probably never, they never watch it, or if they started to, they would like, it'd be so hard to watch yourself. Hmm. Well, not even, not video recorded. Oh. Just, just like this, just oh, yeah. and then like, oh, by the time you get home, I'll, I'll send you an MP3 to your, to your Dropbox, hmm. you know, and you can listen to your, to your therapy session. I had a therapist videotape me, videotape our session in exchange for, because like she was training for something, yeah, yeah, and she, she has to bring the videotape to her teacher, yeah, yeah, and she gave me a free session, and I was really nervous about it because obviously I don't want it public. Hmm. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't take long to forget that thing was being videotaped. Yeah, you just mm -hmm. got right into it and yeah. re revealed stuff. Yeah, but I, I asked her if I could see it. She's like, no, I can't. I was mm. like, that's probably good. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Gary. Yeah, thanks for doing it. Yeah, definitely. All right, this is good fun. Stuff. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. 
they know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.